Hey everyone, today Brooke is going to be telling her story. When I first met Brooke, she was dating my brother and she was always very successful. Um, she had just graduated law school, she was already practicing law and working for the dark side in insurance defense. And to see how she has grown from where she already was very successful to where she is today, where she's recovering tens of millions of dollars uh, for people is just so eye-opening and rewarding to see. So today we're going to learn about Brooke's story and I hope that you guys enjoy it. So Brooke, let's get right into it. Tell me a little bit about Little Brooke and your childhood and what major influences had an impact on your life to lead you to where you are today. Absolutely. So I am a native Floridian. I was born and raised here. Um, I've lived in different parts of Florida, but the primary area that I grew up is New Smyrna Beach, Florida. It's known as the shark bite capital of the world. So um, I come from a long line of pastors and worship leaders. My father was a pastor, so uh, that means that I got to uh, be everything from a uh, backup musician and singer on the worship team to a janitor to a youth leader to uh, everything, everything, you name it, I've done it in church leadership for my father's church. Um, my mom was a legal assistant, and so she was in the law firm life, uh, working for other lawyers as I grew up. So basically, you learned early on how to wear multiple hats and to be efficient at it. Yes, very true, very true. Um, my home away from home was the church, and um, we, we had to work in it kind of like a business in some ways to keep it running and, and keep everything um, moving and growing. Amen. So tell me about who you were in high school. Were you the, the preppy girl, the jock, the nerd? If I, could, if I could categorize you, what would you be categorized as? So I went to high school in the 90s. So. I graduated high school in 1998. So I was, in terms of how I appeared and how I dressed, an alternative chick. I was, um, wore the baggy Jinko jeans and, um, you know, the oversized t-shirts and, you know, kind of skateboarding like attire. Um, and most of my friends uh, outside of school were skateboarders. Um, inside of school, I was kind of a jack of all trades. I was um, in the IB program, uh, which stands for International Baccalaureate, which was an advanced, accelerated, very challenging uh, coursework. And so I was kind of an IB nerd in that sense, but I also was a cheerleader and uh, cheered for three years of high school. Um, I also was a band geek and was played the clarinet in the band. 
and was in uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. I was a weightlifter, an undefeated uh, weightlifter on the girls weightlifting team my senior year. So I really kind of had friends and groups of people that I connected with in a bunch of different areas in high school. That is so cool. I love that. And what did you do after high school? After high school, I uh, went on to college and went to Stetson University in Deland, Florida. I chose to stay close to home because my younger sister, um, she's 15 years younger than me, and she was two years old when I graduated high school. And so she was just the joy of my life at the time, and I really didn't want to be far away from her and wanted to to participate in her growing up years. So I chose uh, Stetson University to stay close to home and I majored in political science. I feel for your mom having to start over like that. That must have been quite challenging on her, but yet a huge blessing in, in helping her stay young and spunky like she is. Well, she people used to say that my sister had four parents because my brother and I, my brother's uh, 12 years older than my sister. So my parents really had a built-in babysitter. They could go, I, I, you know, I turned 16 when she was one. So I could drive her around and take her places with me. And so my mom kind of had it made. She, <laughs> she uh, and, and I just adored my sister. So I wanted to take her with me everywhere I went. So, um, so people often thought that she was my daughter as opposed to my sister. So you went to Stetson University, go Hatters, and then what happened from there? I, um, I graduated with political science degree and then realized that political science is a useless major. And so the only thing I was qualified to do was to work in a government position. So I, um, I got a job as a probation officer uh, making $10.50 an hour and um, quickly realized that if I had spent those same four years working at McDonald's, I would be making more than I was with my bachelor's degree. It's a shame. So I, um, I worked for the probation company for a while and then uh, took another government position called a pretrial services officer. And I really, I really enjoyed the job and it, got me in a courtroom for the first time. I was um, exposed to judges and lawyers and really started to take an interest in the um, criminal justice system. Uh, but I realized in, in that position that there wasn't a whole lot of opportunity for me to advance. And as someone who is constantly looking to grow and move up, um, I just didn't see there being much opportunity for me there because so much of it was based on seniority. And as a brand new college graduate, 21 years old, uh, my colleagues had all been there years longer than I had. And so it just seemed like, you know, an eternity before I would ever have enough seniority to move up in that position. So I, I tried applying to other government positions, but since I really didn't have much experience, I never got a single interview. And so I finally came to terms with the fact that I was going to have to go back to school if I was going to open any other doors for myself, which I very much did not want to do. I was so burnt out on school and just really, really wanted to 
to try to avoid it, but I, I didn't see any other option. I figured in going to law school, there's all kinds of things that you can do with that degree. So if I didn't like, you know, being a lawyer per se, I could be a teacher. I could work for a business. You know, there was just so many doors that are open with a Juris Doctorate degree. So I decided to, you know, put my um, my life on hold for three years to go back to law school. Well, it seems like you made a good choice. Unfortunately, a lot of times with government type jobs, it's very hard to advance because you have to wait for somebody to, to retire or get promoted to heaven. So it seems like you definitely made a good choice there. So tell me about what you did after law school. Sure. So after law school, I got my first job as a real lawyer. I was so excited. Um, I worked for a large firm. Uh, at the time, I, I don't. I think it probably had around 75 lawyers when I joined it. It now has over 500. Wow. So it's just a huge law firm, um, one of the biggest firms in the state of Florida. And so I started at the bottom. Uh, I was, you know, a new associate and uh, didn't even really understand what type of work I was going to be doing. I remember looking at their website in preparation for the interview and trying to figure out, like, what kind of law do these people do so that I can be prepared for the interview? And I couldn't figure it out because they, they had everything listed, like, literally everything. So I was like, well, I'm just gonna, you know, do my best. So I went on the interview, and even still, then it wasn't really clear to me what I was gonna be doing. And on my first day was when I finally uh, realized, oh, it's car accidents. Okay, like I can, I, I get it now. It's car accidents. So I was defending um, car accidents in the beginning, not just car accidents. That that's an oversimplification. It was an insurance defense firm. So we were defending cases on behalf of insurance companies of all different sorts. But initially, I was working on uh, a lot of personal injury type cases on the defense side. And then over time, I I started working in some other departments, and uh, worked my way up through the ranks there, became a partner in about five, five and a half years, and then started overseeing other lawyers and overseeing other departments and just really grew up um, to a, a position in the firm uh, where, where I had, you know, really created a nice and comfortable career for myself and really at some points thought that that's where I would probably spend my entire career is at that firm. So what led you to start your own law firm? Well, I um, I had been at the firm for a little over nine years and um, I started to feel like I had reached a ceiling um, I had stayed there for as many years as I did because I always felt like there was more and more room for advancement. Um, but I started to feel as though I was, I was not going to be advancing like I had hoped for. And so I was approached by another firm who gave me the type of offer that 
is just not one that you can refuse. It's not one that I perceived my current law firm could compete with. And so I accepted the position and it was on the opposite side of the case. So I had been working for nine years as a defense lawyer and this was now a plaintiff's law firm. So opposite side of the same type of case. I would now be filing the lawsuits as opposed to defending the lawsuits. So I, I left my long-term firm to join this plaintiff's firm. And shortly after I started working there, one of my former clients who was a major insurance company, household name insurance company, filed um, around a thousand lawsuits, sorry, not lawsuits, a thousand motions to disqualify against my new firm. The motions to disqualify in summation said basically, uh, Brooke Boltz worked for, uh, you know, handled our cases in great volume. She handled hundreds, thousands of our cases. And so she has learned so much confidential information about our insurance company that she should not be allowed to now sue us uh, or oppose us and her her new law firm should not be able to either so the effect of those motions to disqualify on the new law firm was major uh, these same thousand or so cases that used to be able to settle and make money for the firm we're now tied up in disqualification proceedings. And disqualification proceedings can go on for years at a time. So the firm I joined now saw this as a major problem and I was costing them potentially millions of dollars just by being employed there. So um, I had to leave. Um, I, had, I had to leave with no plan. Um, no clients and no money. Uh, what had always kept me from starting a business before was that I had read books because I had hoped and dreamed of having a firm of my own someday, but the books I had read had said, you have to have six figures in your savings account before you even consider starting a, a law firm. And I never had that. I never had anything close to that. So I had pretty much given up on that hope and just felt as though I could do just fine for myself working as an employee. And so, um, but when, when things uh, didn't turn out how I had hoped at the new law firm, I didn't really have much choice. I, I was essentially unemployable. I could not go back to the defense firm um, because of their relationship with the insurance company. Um, they, that was not something that a defense firm would entertain me coming back. And I couldn't go to a plaintiff's firm, another plaintiff's firm, because uh, it was likely that the same insurance company would file motions to disqualify any new firm that I joined. So I, uh, my choices were either switch practices, switch my area of law after, you know, practicing in that field for 10 years and learn something new and start all over from the beginning or bite the bullet and start my own business. And that's what I did. Started my own law firm in 2000, the end of 2017. 
Well, you may not have had the six figures that you necessarily needed to start your business, but you most certainly had God and you had your family and friends to support you and encourage you through that. So tell me a little bit about your fancy first office. My first office was anything but fancy. It was not even really an office. It was a bedroom. Um, we had a three bedroom house at the time and I have, I had two daughters. I now have three children, but at the time I had two daughters. Um, and so they moved in to share a room and we took one of their rooms and turned it into an office. Uh, my mom, who had been my legal assistant for the past few years at that point, um, she joined me in, in starting the firm. And so she and I set up desks in the bedroom and set up some computers and a couple of telephones and we went to work. Um, and then as we started to grow, we hired our next employee uh, who is still with us to this day. And so the three of us worked in, in one bedroom. Um, every, every wall of the, of the room had a different desk. Um, I remember that um, our other employee, Marissa, when one of us would have a cold, <laughs> that she would wear a face mask <laughs> to try to try to avoid getting sick because we were working in such close proximity that um, that that we were bound to contaminate each other because we were just all piled into one room. And then when we hired our next employee. Uh, we outgrew the bedroom. So I uh, ended up moving my desk into my closet in my master bedroom. And thank goodness this was before the Zoom times because if, uh, if anyone had ever done a Zoom call with me back then, they would see all of my clothing hanging, <laughs> hanging behind me. But I actually enjoyed it in the closet. It was kind of a a nice cozy feel and uh, I think that the internet service provider was a little confused when they came out to install um, internet and electricity in the closet <laughs> but um, but but that's where I worked um, for for about a year until we eventually just had grown so much that we needed to to get an official office space. So from working from your closet to now having almost 4,000 square feet with over 15 employees, tell me about some of your successes. Well, um, we were really blessed because from going to having no clients, no money, um, and you know, no plan, we within 12 months we're bringing in seven figures and we have grown from there to by year two and three we were making multi seven figures so we had tremendous success very quickly um, also we have uh, done things as a firm such as having billboards we've had tv commercials we've done um, really you know, high quality social media videos. So we've just done a lot in terms of um, building the firm through advertising in the community. 
And one of the components of this podcast is creative marketing. So Brooke, what stands out to you as your most uh, creative marketing piece that you've done so far? Well, I try to make every advertisement creative, but probably the most creative one, the one that people seem to remember the most, is the first billboard I ever did. It was um, a red billboard, and it had a picture of me wearing football pads and a football jersey with my firm logo on the chest of the of the jersey and it said game on um, and then bolts legal and i i did that billboard because i have a story a football story i i started playing tackle football as a child on a pop warner boys team i played for a couple of years when i was 10 and 12 and then um there wasn't much opportunity to to play football after that until um, really college when I played flag football um, in, just on intramural teams and then we we played against a couple other colleges as well um, and then as a young adult just towards the end of college there was a women's professional football team that came to Daytona Beach and so I had the opportunity to play on that team both in Daytona and then they moved to Orlando the next year and so I played on on the women's professional football team in Daytona, Orlando, until I uh, broke my arm. I have a scar, and you probably can't see it um, on the video, but I have now a metal bone in my elbow from a, a tackle football injury. So in addition to being a super attorney, a super football player, a super business owner, and uh, all the other hats that you hold, you're also a super mom. So tell me a little bit about your family and your Austin sister-in-law. <laughs> Absolutely. I could talk about my kids all day, as most mothers could. Um, I'm married to your brother, Richard, and um, I call him Rich, and uh, we have three children together. We have uh, 11 and 12-year-old girls, uh, Lila and Leia are their names, and then a three-year-old son who is Luke. And so, as you can probably tell, we are Star Wars fans. Um, <laughs> probably not as big as Star Wars fans as you would think, considering we have children named Luke and Leia, but um, we, we do have, we, we, we are fans, and we also um, just spend all of our free time with our children, um, spending time with them, and just whether it's you know watching a movie together or you know tickling and chasing the three-year-old around, the my children are really the joy of my life. So to kind of summarize everything, if there was one bit of advice or tip that you could give our audience today, what would that um, key factor be that led to your success? That's tough. Um, and I'm excited to be able to share all of the different things that we've tried over the years, the, the successful things and the not so successful things, because that's part of growth is constant 
constant new um, attempts, you know, constantly experimenting. That's the word I'm looking for. Constant experimentation, trying new things and seeing what works and seeing what doesn't. But if there's just one key factor, it's really being genuine to who you are. It's accepting your personal quirks or imperfections that make you unique, embracing those things and and being comfortable in those things when you're meeting new people. When you meet new business contacts, um, they're not looking for the best person in that field. They may, they may, they may be, but most of the time, what they're really looking for is someone that they're going to get along with, someone that they can become friends with. And so, when you're genuine to who you are, um, there is a trust built and also a connection built uh, professionally and also personally. Um, and then in addition to that, I would say uh, putting others before yourself is also critical to growing your business. Having happy customers or happy clients is very important because every business owner that I have spoken to, when I ask them, where are you getting your business from? They say it's referrals from other happy clients. So it is so important to have those happy clients um, so that they can then sing your praises and become fans and um, help you to build your business. You know, the sky's the limit. Well, thank you so much, Brooke, for opening up to us today, for sharing your vulnerabilities, for uh, sharing your experiences with us. And um, for our audience out there, if you have any questions for Brooke, uh, feel free to follow Bolt Legal on Facebook and send her a message. She gives amazing advice and always goes the extra mile to ensure that uh, her clients, and even even if they're not clients, she just does the right thing to help people. So thank you so much for tuning in, and we look forward to uh, connecting with you soon. Mm-hmm.